there has to be some kind of identifier, like it may, may, may be baked into the data file. Okay. But, but that all quickly falls apart. So, um, you know, like if it's an AI generated image, there's, there's some kind of identifier in the file that you don't see it. Something that like Google can identify this as artificial intelligence. I can't put this on the front page of the New York Times. We know that this is AI, but you know, the way technology works, as soon as you grab a screen, right? Nothing comes with it. It becomes sterile. That's a problem. You know, the, the one thing I wanted is I wanted people to have, you know, to be honest about what, what it is that we're seeing. And I don't know how we're going to fix that. Hey, welcome to episode 388 of the Beginner Photography Podcast, brought to you by CloudSpot, the all-in-one solution for photographers of all skill levels to deliver and sell your photos online. I'm your host, Raymond Hadfield, and today we are chatting with wet plate photographer Shane Bogowicz about the problem with AI and photography. Now, before you tune out, just know that this is not a uh, is AI good or bad interview. Uh, we will not be talking about the role that AI will play in other elements of our lives uh, and the potential ramifications that it could have. We are simply focusing on the image and media aspect of artificial intelligence and image creation. So while neither of us are experts in AI uh, or experts in yeah, I don't know, ChatGPT or MidJourney or anything like that. We do have experience in the world of images. And where we're at today, we are facing a rather complicated, confusing, and potentially crippling problem with how AI images are classified as photographs and the ramifications of us not coming up with a standard definition of what a photograph is and what it is not could be catastrophic and I'm not overreacting here. So I want to bring light to this conversation, this idea, and just that we need to have a conversation about it and try to come up with an answer. So with that, let's go ahead and get on into today's podcast interview with Shane Bokowicz. Shane, last time you were on, um, uh, we talked a lot about your uh, photography, getting into wet plates and whatnot. Um, there have been a lot of new listeners since last time you were on. So before we get into today's episode, can you just kind of remind me and listeners kind of how you got your journey into a unconventional form of photography? Yeah, one of the oldest analog photography processes known to man. So wet plate collodion photography was invented, invented in 1851 by Frederick Scott Archer back in 2012. I never even owned a camera. I saw a wet plate online and um, I just asked the photographer, what was that? He said, it's a wet plate. I don't know what about it attracted me to this. I'd never had owned a camera, never had any interest in photography whatsoever. And um, I said that I would like to do that. And he had been a photographer. His name is Paul DeLorean. He's a great guy. And, and he said, well, are you a photographer, Shane? I said, no, I don't own a camera. And he said, well, there's no way a non-photographer will ever teach himself wet plating. And within 45 days of that conversation, I had made my first exposure. And here I am about 11 years into this journey of um, chasing this analog photography. Uh, I know w when when you tell me that this is analog photography, I kind of laugh because like it is mm. as analog as it gets. Right. Mm. Like you, you almost just just breezed over that. It's the um, other end of the spectrum. Right, exactly. Like even more so than film photography. So um, again, for those listening who might not know what wet plate is, can you just talk about the intensive steps that are involved uh, just to be able to capture an exposure? Yeah, so this you have to put yourself in um, the Victorian era, and you have to think about uh, Abraham Lincoln had his wet plate taken, if that gives you an idea. So you see um, every once in a while, you'll watch a Western where the guy will have a magnesium shooter where it goes pop like that, and he's taking a picture of someone. That, it was new technology. That's about 1905, <laughs> okay? This process was 55 years before that. So you, you have to, I'm making silver on glass 
images. So all the images that I make are made out of pure silver. And what's beautiful about pure silver is that silver doesn't degrade. So these are the most archival photographs man has ever created. So when someone comes into my studio on a Friday and I take your portrait, I can honestly tell them that this photograph outlasts any other photograph ever taken of you in your life. And um, and we abandoned this in 1885 for why humans abandoned a lot of things. Um, for something more convenient, the dry plating came around and um, the, the photographer didn't have to pour messy chemicals onto a plate to get the bromide salts to pull silver out of a silver nitrate bath and make a photosensitive plate. So I'm essentially making for some of your listeners, I'm making sheet film um, on, on stained glass. And uh, you know, we just abandoned this in 1885. And, and in my opinion, I'm, and I'm, like I said, down this rabbit hole 11 years, it, it's, it's the most beautiful photographic process man has ever invented. And it wasn't a good enough reason to abandon this. And there's, there's less than a thousand of us in the world that can, can pull off a wet plate today. So um I've got um, works at 68 different museums around the world, including the Smithsonian, the Library of Congress, the Heard Museum, the Royal Photographic Society over there with you. That's the oldest photographic society in the world. They have two of my plates. So it's been a, a wild journey. And um, I'm just honored to be able to... Uh, when I first started, I never had, and I uh, thought that anyone would be interested in what I had to say or what, any of my work. I was just taking photographs of my family. And then it just kind of snowballed into what it is today. And I'm I'm very grateful. Yeah. Um, so finding a um, uh, uh, a reason, uh, a purpose, a, a why in your photography um, has definitely served you well, right, with, with your subjects. Do you think that you would still be shooting wet plates if you didn't have the same um, why of capturing Native Americans with this same process? I think it's the it's the whole uh, hook of history that I, I'm really fascinated with. I, I like making these. These are objects, understand, when we use our digital cameras. And I use, I don't own any other camera, by the way. The only other camera I have is my iPhone. So, but when I, you know, open the shutter on, we, we should explain to your listeners as well. So the shutter on your iPhone is open for about one sixtieth of a second on average. Um, you know, these are 10 second exposures. So it's 600 times longer to make a wet plate than it is with a modern day phone. So, um, you know, I, I, it didn't, you know, my Native American thing, Northern Plains, Native Americans, a modern wet plate perspective is just, I consider it my life's work, but, um, I'm in love with the fact that I'm, I'm capturing light at any particular time. And that light is put in pure silver on something that is going to be here long after I'm gone. And yeah. there's something magical about that. We just, you know, there's, there's something about the fact that these images, I'm, I'm making something that's very permanent. And, um, if, you know, if I lay able to plate properly on the back and put the date and the plate number and who the subject is and where the photo goes taken and the F stops or whatever I want to put on the back, that record is going to be here long after I'm gone. Yeah. It's a very cool, it's a very cool thing. You know, we as photographers love to, uh, you know, the, the trope is to capture memories, you know, and uh, it is. you can't, get any longer of a, of a memory to preserve than, 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 than a wet plate. Cause, I, here, cause yeah. I've got uh, historical examples, just a couple of feet from me here on the shelf and they look as good today as they did 170 years ago, which, I mean, if you have, you know, if you had go to your mother's uh, shoebox of photographs, which I know your mother probably has a shoebox for, you can, no, she gave them all to me. I have them okay. all and they're well, you all can terrible them, condition. And I, they're in terrible condition, right. And they're only 40 years old. So, yeah. um, you know, these are, these are, it's a magnificent process and, and silver, um, it's just, um, you know, it's, it's, I tell the students that I have college students and I have about eight different classes come out every year. Hundreds of students come out to my studio to see this process firsthand. And then I, I tell the students, if you put a silver spoon on the ground and you come back 500 years from now, what's on the ground? And the answer must be a silver spoon. Mm-hmm. And that that's that speaks to the permanence of, of these images. So um, so it's it, it's the polar opposite of digital. You know, our topic today is artificial intelligence, AI and and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm as uh, old school. My process is as old school as it gets. So then why are we talking about AI today? Hey, Raymond here. If you're sometimes baffled by which camera settings to use, then I've got just the thing for you. My free guide, Picture Perfect Camera Settings. It's a fantastic starting point for anybody eager to understand the basics of camera settings in various shooting scenarios. And it's tailored to beginners who want to get out of auto mode, providing clear, easy to follow suggestions on where to start with your settings. So whether you're capturing a stunning landscape or a family portrait, Picture Perfect Camera Settings will help you to get off of automatic mode and explore the possibilities your camera offers. 
Remember, mastering photography settings is a journey, and this guide is your first step, and the perfect resource to guide you towards finding the right settings for your style. So grab your copy today at perfectcamerasettings.com and start your journey to better photos. Well, I was, uh, I you know, um, I noticed that I, I'm, 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 I made my living in technology. So I, I noticed that this new technology, artificial intelligence, and I, it hasn't, it's been on my radar for a couple of years. So I've, I've done a deep dive into this and I've read many books and I've listened to many podcasts of the world's experts about the, this, this technology and stuff. And, and AI, a lot of people think AI is, this is a new thing, right? I mean, they were discussing um, AI in the 1950s. So this isn't a new thing. It's just, now in the 2020s, we were able to actually have the technology to do some of the things that they knew that we were going to be able to do back in the 1950s. And so I was on Instagram and I started seeing these images and I, I, I thought they were fantastic. I, I was seeing these images pop up and pop up and these people were making these different images. And then and then I, I noticed that they started calling these photographs. And that like these here's a photograph, here's an AI photograph. And I'm at that point, my my gut um, told me, hold on a minute, this is this is not right. Um, we need to we need to draw some kind of line here in the sand that says that these aren't photographs. And, and so I, I, you know, I've written three par- uh, articles for Petapixel. The first one was about um, how uh, you know these are not photographs. That in order to be a photograph, you have to use light and you have to use a photosensitive material or a sensor. You know, if we want to talk about your modern day uh, listeners and stuff. And um, none of that is happening with AI photography. So that I, I dove in deeper and how is it doing this and I learned about the diffusion and how it takes images and then it diffuses them and adds a bunch of static and then it then it comes out of the static and then it judges that result and then makes decisions and then it, it, it gives you back what it thinks you want to see. And um, so I, I started saying we need to, the people that are making these images need to have their own terminology. Like photography is photography and, and it shouldn't have to encompass things, other technologies that it's not, right? I mean, it's it's not, a, you know, a, a gas car is not a horse. And we, we need to come up with our own term. They need to come up with their own terminology. And, you know, I had thrown out in that article, um, I the the, the um, what I come up with is prompted artificial graphic design was uh, an acronym that I had come up with, and other people have come up with promptology and promptography and there, there I mean there's a million different things and but I, I do see that they're now um, since I made that argument that we need to have terminology that surrounds us so we understand what we're talking about and that everyone who's viewing these things understands what it is we're viewing I think that's yeah. very important okay because these aren't photographs and this this process you understand a year ago Raymond um you would look at an AI portrait, let's just say, because I'm a portrait person, so let's talk about portraits. You look at an AI portrait and you would just kind of laugh. There's like three ears and, you know, 12 fingers and and, and things like that. And things were wonky. Everything was wonky a year ago. Mm-hmm. And then six months ago, it's not so wonky. And now just recently, it's really not wonky. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I'm predicting by the end of the year that, you know, even the trained eye, a trained expert eye, a trained photographer, um, or historian will not be able to tell the difference between something that was uh, artificially created and something that uh, you know was it was real. And as and a historian is a person that's trying to document Native Americans or the person that's trying just to document the people in my life around here. I mean that's what my work is, right? It's a it's a reflection of the times around my studio of, of the people here. And, and um, it, it really, I push back on this that let's stop calling this photography. Come up with your own terms. Call it whatever you want. Just let's stop talking, calling it photography. And and a lot of people have really um, gotten behind that, that this is everyone is, you know, not everyone, but a lot of people are acknowledging now. But if you go to Instagram today and type in AI photography, you know, last week there was 178,000 people that disagreed with that mm. concept. So there's 178,000 AI photographs mm-hmm. and they're not photographs at all. And, right. Um, and I asked an AI artist, I said, why are you, why are you using the word photograph? And they, they said, well, it's just a marketing thing. That's what people relate to is that you got to call it what you think it is or what it's like. And I'm like, I said, that's not, that's not a good enough reason. It's you're, you're calling an apple an orange and um, that doesn't, that doesn't work. And we need to respect the the field of photography. And um, that, that was my, my, my big first push. My big per, uh, article was on AI photographs are not 
um, photographs, their their images, their graphic designs, or whatever you want to kick, come up with uh, a name for them. But they're 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 definitely not photographs. I even had someone on Facebook. You get the craziest article uh, um, ideas sometimes when you're when you're making statements and you're asking for. I'm, I'm trying not to be in a bubble, right? Like uh, I'm trying to like put my ideas out there and get feedback from people. And mm-hmm. this one gentleman told me that it's a photograph because computers use fiber optics and the fiber optics use light. Use light. Oh my god! So the <laughs> so this is this was the reasoning. Um, that he justified calling it a photograph. If you can about, I mean, if you, you talk about a stretch, right? <laughs> yeah, that's about talk, as stretched talk, out as you yeah, get. Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's that's some of the stuff that I've been, I've been dealing with. And I and yeah. I should tell your listeners, I'm not against AI at all. I I have friends that are even wet plate artists that actually make AI images, and I love them. I, I think they're they're fantastic. Um, I, I, you know, the, the other thing that we have to worry about, Raymond, is well, what are we going to do with these images? Like, um, what's the purpose of them, really? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it was an argument I had a TEDx talk about six years ago. And and I asked, why are we taking all these digital photographs? It just, it just seems like a bunch of information that nobody, we're only looking at it on our little screens. Nobody's doing prints anymore, right? I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're not doing exhibitions of our iPhone photographs. I mean, but we're t- we take more digital photographs today than the first 150 years of photography. I don't know right. if I mentioned that in the first uh, podcast that we did so um that you know so why are we what are we what are we doing with these okay we're seeing them on instagram we're seeing them on facebook we're, we're sharing them we're kicking them back and forth and oh that's beautiful and stuff but um is someone gonna you're gonna have an exhibition and and there there will be some exhibitions I, I have no doubt that there will be exhibitions and this will be curated work and so forth but i mean are people gonna let's go back to portraiture okay so i'm there was a photograph that a friend of mine did of a, a, a young girl, an AI photograph. She n- does not exist. She never existed. Mm-hmm. And she will never exist. Mm-hmm. And so I have to ask myself, will someone in the future, and that was my second article on this topic, was talking about how this is going to affect our history. Will someone in the future actually think if they get a hold of that? Because once you put it on the web, we, we know what happens with it, right? It, it's got a life of its own. Someone yeah. could stumble upon this picture of this redheaded young girl and think that she was actually somebody, somebody who felt pain and had love and and died and and all the things that us humans do, all the all the, the human aspects of why I think I love photography. Like that, mm-hmm. that's, it's the human element of why, why am I with portraiture and I'm not taking pictures of pine trees. Right. I mean, I, there, there's something about looking at a photograph of someone from 170 years ago. There's something there. There's a, I, there's a relationship between the present and the past. And I, I and, and I can understand, I can try to understand who that person was. Um, you don't have that with this. So this, this, this girl could end up, Maybe her photographs curated at a museum and they thought that, that she was someone else or I mean, she doesn't have a name. She doesn't have we don't. And, and then and then there's the whole argument of, uh, you know, who's who's the artist? Is it the is it the person just prompting? Are they are they the artist or is the art? Are we ready to give the artificial intelligence its due and and say that it owns the rights? And I don't know if um, your listeners know, but if you read through the um, the terms of these, uh, you know, mid journey and so forth like that, um, these different applications, you do not have the rights to any of the output. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so the the prompter does not have the rights to any of the output. So that's that's the first time that's happened, right? Like when is an artist, let me ask you, when is the last time you knew of an artist that made something that didn't have the rights to? When has that ever occurred before? Um never that I can think of. I mean, even I that time of- that that monkey took a photo with a camera. That monkey still got the uh, uh, the ownership of that image. So right. never. So the, the terms of these, all these applications, so you're making, say you want to do an exhibition, say you want to do some, or is someone going to buy the that, a print of that fake AI girl and hang it on their wall? Right. Yeah. That, Who's that, going that to do that? Question. Yeah. Are we, am I going to sell it to who? Their mother? Their father? <laughs> I mean, I mean what, so, yeah. so then it goes back to the logical question is is so what's the purpose mm-hmm. why did so, we why did we bring this into the world so let me ask you a question then um because i think i think one of the problems that we're having um 
with describing these AI images um, is one because they they look photorealistic, um, and we just don't have the language yet to to describe you know what it properly is. Um, but also, um, when it comes to to these images, I want to know. Uh, because the the other the other uh, conversation that's being had around a lot of this is is any of this art right because if it mm -hmm. is is ai creating art um because apparently it is if it owns the rights to it you know all all these weird legal questions so from your standpoint i know that we can get you know technical definitions out of a dictionary yeah, or anything, yeah, yeah, we but can. how do you define art yeah, and, and I wrote a third article for Petapixel that that was so the first article was about uh, these aren't photographs. The second was about how it's going to affect our history. And the third one, can we consider this art? Um, I don't I don't want to be in the situation where I'm the guy that's the gatekeeper to what's art. Right. I mean, we've mm. you know, in that article, I gave some very good examples of, you know, the banana tape to the duct tape to the wall that sold for one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. Right. Uh, you know, in the early 1900s. Of, uh, uh, an artist came into a gallery and submitted a urinal and and said that this is art. They just wanted to put it on a pedestal and said that this urinal is art. And, you know, there was a lot of debate there. So there's there's all these examples in the past um, where, uh, you know, people were questioning whether or not the, these things are art. And um, I don't know whether or not they're art. Um, and 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 we we gave in the article i had a co-writer um, we gave the pros and cons to both things but we, we we just couldn't be in the situation where we're saying that this is an art i like i just i can't find myself telling someone else what art is and what art is not so sure um but but, but with the ai question is is who's the, who's the owner and who's creating this no 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 no, no. i now we're going too far i i i want to know what is your definition of art that's what i want to know what you want what do you like when you see something? And because I think that we can all um, agree that when you see art, you know that it's art, but sometimes it's hard to put into words. Right. So when you see something that you think this is this is art, how would you define that? Well, I, I think it's any time an artist decides to put, you know, to to put labor into something and to actually bring something and and to say this is what I created and then we can take whatever we want away from that. Um, you know, it, it, it's the intent, right? Was it, was there an intent there? Just, you know, if, if a banana just got taped to a wall just for some reason, and it wasn't the artist saying, well, I taped this to the wall and this is a piece of art. There's, there's a difference between that, right? Like you wouldn't call that art, but then you have the intent of the artist saying, yeah, this is my art. And, and he stood by that and he's in, and, and the piece sold, um, you know, there, there's, uh, it, it's about intent. And I understand that it's the intent of these prompting these people that are prompting the AI to give them things. Um, but we have to who's actually who's actually creating it. We got to let your listeners know that these images um, are being constructed from billions of other images from other artists. So this is this is and this is without permission. So there was I went to a website and I found out over 30 of my Native American works were in the, in the training of, of of AI. And there was no permission. There was no, um, oh, we're going to give you some kind of compensation. There was no none of that. It just was they they trained uh, their their algorithms on my work and and billions of other um, photographers' work, and um, that's where it's it's coming up with that. I had this interesting. Uh, it occurred to me, um, like how much control do we have over this AI? AI. So I put out this AI challenge about a month ago, where I had an idea of a. a I did a piece um, of a, a woman with a moon head. Okay. So we have my prop master made this moon, um, and it's called the waning and, uh, you can find it on, on maybe on Facebook. But so I asked everyone, if this was your idea, if this was what, as the artist, I asked all the AI artists, if this was your, what you had in your mind, this is because when I create something, like when I would make that, I knew what I wanted to get to. Like I chase these things. Like I have, before I, pour the chemicals on the, the plate, I know what I'm going after, right? Like I have this idea and, and sometimes it turns out, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes I get something I don't, I wasn't expecting. Sometimes I get exactly what I was expecting, but I know what I want. So I I, I asked uh, AI, artists, AI artists to take up the challenge of, if this is what is in your mind that you wanted to create, create it with AI. And what we found out is that there's not enough control of the AI at this point to get anywhere near 
what it is that we were trying to get to. So the AI just, you prompt it and it gives you something back and it may give you 10 different results back. And then you say, oh, I like that one the best. You click on that. And then you can prompt it further and you can continue to tweak it and tweak it and tweak it. But it's all this, this whole thing is about um, how the AI, the AI gives you what it thinks you want to see. And then us as humans, we say, oh, that's what I wanted to see. But that's that's not what you wanted to see at all. And, and you mm-hmm. really, you got you to gotta take what it gives you. And you don't really, you can't specifically say, I want this. And even if you feed in photographs that you, that you had taken yourself and try to get to um, something reasonable that you had in your mind, a, conce- a conception that you had, it's just the AI, it, it doesn't know how to get there. And there's, there's no method by which you can prompt it to get exactly what, what you're trying to find. But it will give you something that it thinks you want to see. And then we just accept it as, oh, that's what I wanted. <laughs> I know uh, I've I've been at weddings before where uh, I unintentionally took a photo. Uh, maybe I was moving the camera or something, and that photo turned out to be one of my favorites and the couple's favorite, which sometimes makes me ask the question as well because it the intention and I see where you're coming from, um, and in large I also agree with you because um, I've said many times that the difference between um, you know, a snapshot and a photograph is intention it is. Um, in, in how you frame the image, in, in waiting for the right moment to happen, in how you control the light coming in, you know, any of these aspects. Yes. Um, but there are times where I have an unintentional uh, happy accident, a happy accident, you know, and, and, and I love it. And I struggle with with, ask, with with answering myself sometimes, is this art? And then I think at the end of the day, I've never really had to worry about this because I guess I've never just been challenged on what is art more so than what we have in in, in recent months, right? Um, because of AI. Um, but going back to what you were saying about, you know, like how you had this idea in your head, you then started putting steps into place, right? You, right. you contacted a prop master. This is yep. what I need. You contacted a model. This is yep. when I need you. Yep. You got the, you know, you got everything ready to take that photo and, yep. and you got it. When it comes to AI and all those people putting in prompts to try to get something similar to what mm-hmm. you had created and they weren't able to, they weren't. do you think that that is just a problem that we have today? And that in future iterations, we'll have more control over it? Or do you think that fundamentally, it'd be like telling my child to draw something that I that I see in my head? And of course, it's never going to come out exactly how I see it. That's yeah. a big question right there. Yeah, it's a, it's a big question. Um, it's using billions of images. So it's being influenced by these images. It only It can only give us something back from what it's been trained on, like what it knows, right? It knows the images that we're, that it would put. So it, it has a limited number of uh, inputs that it, that it's working with, but, but we do know that this is going to be getting better, Raymond, right? this is going to mm-hmm. continue to get better. The technology is going to get better. The, the interfaces by which you, uh, you know, you interact with this artificial intelligence, that's going to get better. So um, there's already, there's, there's other tools. So they're, they're laying tools on top of this, this general prompting. So there's this melding of additional tools to give uh, give people more and more uh, control over it. I just don't want to be the guy that tells someone what is art and what is not. It just doesn't. No, of course. Yeah, it just seems like not a place that I want to be. Do I see that there could be, you know, this is a new genre of, of art. Um, we can just call it a new genre of art and and that they, they have their own, they, they describe it properly. Everyone is saying, well, this is what it is. It's AI. Um, but to get people to do that, you know, they're just not being honest. Mm-hmm. There was there was a there was a group about a photographer. And I won't even say that about a historical photographer that died in 2004. But he had this group has 145,000 followers. Okay, so this was a this was a um, a street photographer that was very well known, and someone presented a portrait of this said photographer that's been dead for 18 years, and I looked at it and I thought right away, this is not a portrait of this photographer. Like this is AI. So I did a, a quick, I went out to 10i, which, you know, there's these reverse image lookups. And I looked, is this image of this very, you know, it's it's like a 
portrait of David Bowie. Like there's not many photographs of David Bowie that are going to come on the scene that yeah. people have not seen. Right. Like you go, you're, you're, you're just, there's, we, we know there's not a lot of that. And this guy's even more obscure than David Bowie. So the, the fact that there's this, this photograph of him and sure enough, there's that, that image has never appeared in like 8 billion websites. So the image was created by AI and um, of a man that existed. Um, and I just want to think that, you know, like, what would he think of that? Like, mm. is it, is it ethical? Mm-hmm. And I don't mean to get too serious here, but is it ethical to bring a portrait of a man into 2023 when he died 14 years ago? Um, right. You know, for from a historical aspect, is his family, would they be happy about this? Would he be happy about this? Are you going to, is that the image somehow, you know, the, the keywords, his name gets associated with that. And someone maybe in the future thinks that that's actually, it was a portrait of him on a specific day when yeah. he had no part of that. Now I know that um, I I I understand exactly what you're saying, um, and I know that you know, like you said, this is more of an obscure um, figure, right? Mm-hmm. Especially than, than David Bowie. But I think we all right. are. Um, it's hard to get less obscure than David Bowie. But right. um, um, uh, when it comes down to the ethics of of the photograph here in this situation, um, somebody might say. Uh, very few people know exactly who this person is, but I think therein lies the danger, right? Because Mm -hmm. it doesn't happen. It doesn't have to happen to that person, but um, the danger could be that, that now we're, 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 we're creating these images of people who uh, are public facing of things that never happened. Exactly. And if we called it a photograph, we're that's, immediately going to believe that it's rooted in reality. That's the problem, okay? Because I've yeah. seen the argument, Raymond. I've seen the argument. Well, people do a painting of David Bowie, and he's been dead. Like, it's the same thing. It's not the same thing, okay? Sure. It's being presented as a photograph, mm-hmm. and we humans know what a photograph is all about. Yeah. We know that it's a, a record of some light at a specific nanosecond of time. Yeah. Right? Like, it's... Like it was that person was sitting there, light was bouncing off their face, and we captured that light in some photosensitive material. It it was never a deception. So when you do a painting, I've got a painting, a young college student did a painting of David Bowie. I've got one in my at my office. It's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. This was a black and white. So they made it black and white as well, because that's the when most of his work was black and white. It was presented that this is a photograph of so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a photograph of so-and-so. And I think there's a problem with that. And in us yeah. humans, so you're right. We we think of photographs as being truth. And so, and I and then, I, and then I'll say that, and then someone will come back. I've heard all the arguments. I've heard the early arguments. Like William Mortensen, my favorite photographer of all time, it's the 1920s, was mm-hmm. putting witches flying in the sky, right? Like there was no witch flying in the sky that he captured, but he took a photograph of the houses, the skyline, and then he took a photograph of a, a muse sitting on a broomstick and, you know, in his studio, and he combined them together, made a collage and made this beautiful, fantastic nude witch flying across the sky. I mm-hmm. get it that, that that's no reality. Um, but but it's that, rooted in reality. It's All rooted in things. Re- yes, she existed. The naked witch mm-hmm. was a person. Yeah. And those she houses sat in were real front houses. of him. And those yeah. were real houses. Like mm-hmm. I saw an example yesterday. I mean, we should talk a little bit about this generative fill on the Photoshop. You, you, have you played with this yet? I haven't played with it, but I've seen lots of examples of it. Yeah, I just don't see a, a use for it. So now aside from just trying to make it amazing, a, a, a guy took, you know, he took, he composed a shot of New York City, a skyline, mm-hmm. and then thought, well, instead of having it portrait, I'm going to make it landscape. So he just asked the AI to fill <laughs> left to right about 20% on both sides. Yeah. And the AI put these fake buildings in. <laughs> so you have one of the most buildings. iconic skyscrapers. You, you have you have this. You know what I mean. You have Central Park, and you have all yeah. this stuff going on. You know, you know that building. You know that building. You know that building. And then all of a sudden, on the sides, there's these buildings that have never existed and will never exist. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means for history. I don't know what that means for photography. And and um, uh, and I and I think there's another thing happening here that I haven't talked about yet. But I think there's. 
I think there's some playing with different technologies and people are calling things AI when it's not really probably a neural network actually doing some of the stuff they're, 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 they're using technologies and everyone's now, everyone's wanting to say that this is, this is AI. Sure. And, and, and the fact is, unless you went there and saw their, their servers and you, you, you got proof that there's a neural network that was doing this sleight of hand stuff, we don't even know that this, some of this stuff is legitimately artificial intelligence, right? Right. Right there, I, I know that that's happening. I know that people are are trying to scam off other other technologies and say, you know, this is artificial intelligence, and and there's no neural network or you know there's no deep deep mind involved at all um, because those are specific things. You have to have there has to, in order for it to be artificial intelligence, there has to be a certain kind of computer um, setup, and I and I know that that's happening. That people are saying, oh look, you know, this is backed by AI, and they're they're using all so it's this new shiny thing that everyone you know this little if i get a period i period somewhere in my search um, <laughs> stock I'm price to, goes way up <laughs> people are going to start looking at it right so i i there, there's there's that problem as well but um yeah I, oh, i'm not oh. sure the generative fill thing is is and i got in an argument with a guy this just this week and he, you know it's like get it in camera and then you know if you want to manipulate with photoshop we know that it's not the same thing you mm-hmm. actually started with a real photograph there was mm-hmm. actually a real photograph and then you manipulate okay i get that I get that. Um, but this is not that mm-hmm. at all. You're not starting with any kind of reality. There are two ways to bring home more money with your photography business. You either get more clients or you spend less of the money that you make. CloudSpot Studio helps you keep more of what you earn. With the lowest payment processing fees in the industry, the average photographer will save annually. And that's just more money to invest in essential gear like a new flash or a sweet camera bag. You know, one that is perfect for storing all of the wedding day snacks that you can pack. But it's not just about savings. CloudSpot Studio is designed to streamline your workflow. Easily organize shoots, send contracts, questionnaires, invoices, and you're really going to enjoy the hassle-free payments. So sign up for a free CloudSpot account at deliverphotos.com and... As a bonus, you're going to get access to my exclusive wedding and portrait contracts and questionnaires at no additional cost. Why let fees chip away at your profits? Empower your photo journey with CloudSpot and watch your business soar. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. And it's funny because uh, for a long time in um, weddings, when I would do, um, I would create a... Um, Essentially, it's a collage. It's a it's a series of photos that I would take during the first kiss. Mm-hmm. Um, say, I don't know, 50, 80 photos, right? Mm. Telephoto lens, just small portion left. It take me right, weeks. Down. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot I'm of photos. Te- I'm teasing you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a month's worth of exposure time on wet plate there. <laughs> and then I take all those photos, but I bring them into Photoshop and then create a uh, a photo stitch. And there's always an option to um I forget exactly what it's called, but like a uh, content aware fill in the edges, mm. because as you can imagine, as it yeah. changes the perspective, there's some, it's not perfectly square. Um, and I've, 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 I've wrestled with myself on that of whether um, it's okay or not. But anyway, I feel like that is kind of the same technology because that's been around for a long time. Like what is the difference between this content aware fill and this generative fill? And that, I'm not sure. So maybe that goes back to that whole, is it really AI or is it mm-hmm. just, you know, um, yeah. figuring out things around there? But yeah. um, regardless, let's, I guess, let's, let's let's stick back to this, this whole conversation about photography and, 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 and figuring out kind of what you would like to see, because um, it's one thing to talk about it. Um, it's one thing to recognize a problem. Uh, how does the problem get fixed? Well, one of the things that I proposed in the, the article um, was that there has to be some kind of identifier, like it may, may, may be baked into the data file. OK, but but that all quickly falls apart. So, um, you know, like if if it's an AI generated image, there's there's some kind of identifier in the file that you don't see. It doesn't have to be a watermark, something like that, but it has to be something that like Google can identify. This is artificial intelligence. I can't put this on the front page of the New York Times. You know what I mean? Like this is we know that this is AI. But, you know, the way technology works is, I mean, we can just grab screen grabs. And, and it, as soon as you grab a screen, right, it's no matter data, nothing comes with it. Yeah, it becomes sterile. 
and and so now, so there there that that's a problem. You know, the the one thing I wanted is I wanted people to have you know to be honest about what what it is that we're seeing. It, I got I have no aversion to AI images when someone says you know AI horse or you know sure. what I mean. Like I have no aversion whatsoever. It's like oh cool. Great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Like I have no aversion. It's What's when the point? Try, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. It, but it's when it's, it's the, um, it's not the, uh, the, the no honesty that, that I really have a problem. And I don't know how we're going to, um, how we're going to fix it. I don't know if you know that, you know, that the, the AI now can remove watermarks from photographs. Did you see this? Story? Right. Yeah. It, it takes yeah. like four seconds. Mm-hmm. So Getty images just filed a lawsuit in the United Kingdom trying to, ah. to, to ban um, this AI company from this, this, this software. So in, in four seconds, so you can just grab any photograph from Getty images and put it in the AI and say, well, I just want this. Um, I want this gone. I, I'm, I'm the new um, uh, generative fill thing for Photoshop is going to fix that same thing too. So now right. all of a sudden, the, so the traditional way of identifying and, and, and protecting one's intellectual property is like stripped away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's people that have deep pockets like Getty um, that thinks that this isn't right. It feels kind of like uh, what, what was it back when when they first started stealing music? What was the name of the, that service? Napster. Napster. Remember when Napster mm-hmm. came on and everyone was up in arms and then the, the industry came out and, and the, there was things put in place. But then we end up with something like Napster anyway with, uh, you know, with, with the other services that are out there anyway. But um, at least they were done with contracts and at least some of the artists are being compensated somewhat. Sure. Um, sure. There's arguments that they're not being compensated quite enough, and I agree with that. But um, at least uh, it, it feels kind of like the Napster era, right? Like it feels mm. like okay, this is the Wild West. Um, now we can just we're just stealing people's photographs, and we're you putting them in a database, and we're using that database to to generate other images, and then and then we're giving those rights away to the AI or to the 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 the, the application, or we're, you know we're giving it to the person that just prompted four words. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think art needs to have be more than just uh, Jackson Pollock's a perfect example, right, of arguing if something's art, right? Like when he came sure. on the scene, you know, he was just splashing paint, and what did everyone say? Well, my my two year old can do that. Yeah, like this is an art, right? I mean, these are these are the, the these are not new conversations, right? And then you know his pieces go on to sell for millions of dollars. Yeah, and, and he created an entire new genre of of of, of painting. So it, it kind of it, it's not like we. I've heard the argument. All this has happened before, Shane. You're making a big deal about this. I I hear this all the time, and it just doesn't feel like this is that. And that's all I can say. It just, this doesn't feel like this is that. Um, uh, not at this level, not at this this cowboy kind of Wild West kind of show where everything's okay and we can just deceive anyone. Well, I, I, I think I think that the fundamental problem there is that when it comes to Jackson Pollock, obviously, we, defining art, is personal, right? How, how, however, is. you define art is going to be different the than viewer. somebody else defines right. art. Yeah, mm-hmm. but when we see a painting, we know that that's a painting. When we, we see do. a photograph, we know that that's a photograph. Uh, up and up until this point, say you know. Right. Um, so when there were other technologies that came along, um, just from painting to photography. Um, there was a lot of backlash. There was a lot there of was. Or not backlash, criticism. Right, like this mm-hmm. is an art. This is um it's uh simply a mechanical process right it's not right. it's not the, 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 there's no artistic vision that goes into creating this um which today we fully um accept that photography is an art form um, but i think the issue here goes back to the problem that we started with is that we don't have a definition for what this is. We don't have a name for what this is. And because we don't have a name for what it is, it doesn't feel different mm. for a lot of people. And that's mm. what's so hard. That mm. is what is so hard. If if it was called, I don't know, um, vision images, or I don't, you know, whatever whatever it is that you want to call it, uh, but something more. Uh, something more uh, defined, something that's yeah. not as broad as just images, but we understand the point. Uh, we would understand um, what's going on. We would understand that fundamentally this is different, but because it is so photorealistic or can be so photorealistic, um, that's the challenge that we need to that we need to answer. And um, 
I don't know how we're going to do that. I, I hope that we can come up with something. And the only thing that I can think of is 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 similar to what Apple did when they introduced the uh, um, their live photos uh, mm-hmm. on the on the iPhone. They didn't call it something else. They called it live photos. So even though it has the word photo in there, we see it as something entirely different. When you mm-hmm. watch it, you don't say to yourself, "That's a photograph," but mm-hmm. you don't say, "That's a video." It's a live. It's an entirely different name, and right. that is what we're missing here. Definitions are important. So important. So how do we? How do? How do we? How do? How do we make an impact? How do we get this started? Well, we just start raising awareness and letting people know about you know that the, these different concerns that we shouldn't just. Uh, um, yeah, I, I'm trying to understand what people have invested in it. Like, why are people so? Why are people up in arms to protect this? Like the bias in calling this, it a photograph. Yeah, or, or in calling it, or just protecting in general. Like, if you see anything against AI, you're just like I said, you're just a luddite. You you don't sure. like technology, and you're just an you're an old man by definition, and you just don't <laughs> understand where the world's going. It, it it has nothing to do with that. I mean, think about the photo uh, photojournalism. I mean, you can't. We we need to have a base of reality. Mm-hmm. in our news stories and stuff like that. Um, if if we start manipulating everything, um, we won't know what ends up. And, um, you know, it, it, it's a problem. So I, I've just been on the, the bandwagon of just trying to, you know, write some articles. Um, you know, I've been, you know, the AI challenge that I put out there, I, I, you know, but probably once or twice a week, I'm, I'm thinking about AI and I'm seeing new things come up and, and new, new problems that may be arising from this. And, um, is it going to be a fad? I don't, I'm not sure, Raymond, is this just going to be, you know, are people going to get bored with, um, just like typing in a computer and, and having something come back? I just, right. I, I don't know what the purpose of it's for. And I, other than to see something Unless there's some like dopamine thing that you're getting, like there's it's like a, a slot machine, right? It's that sound of the coins falling out of the slot machine. You pull the lever, you hear the coins hit the bottom of the tray, and you get that dopamine rush. I, I'm not sure, but but we're making more images than we've ever made before, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, uh, just information glut, and and, and and this is just now we don't even know. Um, what reality is. And I get the point that Photoshop, you know, and this is, that was an argument years ago, right? How long has Photoshop right. been around 20 years? Um, this is going to ruin photography. Um, this just does not seem like that. This just seems like that on steroids. Yeah. And, and I, I could be, I'm perfectly okay being wrong with this. I said that would, it would, uh, before the show, I'm perfectly okay being wrong about these, these concerns and stuff. I hope I, here's the thing. I hope I am wrong. That would be awesome. That, right. That, that would be awesome that I'm completely wrong and that I just I miss this fundamental, wonderful thing that's going to reshape art and and photography. And it's going to take, you know, creation to another level. Um, I don't know how you can take creation to another level when, you know, the the person Here's that's how. creating isn't isn't the owner of the of the of the object. Sure. Yeah, that that is a big problem. That is a big problem that you know, whenever money is involved, uh, the, the you know they're always going to win. The company is going to win, uh, and that the only way that you can control uh, your creative output is for you to do it yourself. So, fully understand that. Um, but I think here is how people can become more creative. And just I've never created. Let me be clear. I've never created uh, an image with <clears throat> anything like Mid Journey, or I've never. Because I've never had a need to create any sort of real photorealistic image. Mm-hmm. But um, when I was in high school, I was just terrible with words. And I had a book report due. And I said, I'm not doing this. Like, I'm absolutely not. I don't care if I get an F. I'm just so bad. It's almost embarrassing. Okay. But instead, I decided to make a stupid little video with my friends. Showing off to my teacher that I, at least I understood the concepts within the book. My mm. problem was putting it down in words. And okay. from that moment on, he was like, you don't ever have to write a book report again. Like, just do video here. Um, and I've always kind of had that issue with words. I can't put them together right. I can't, mm. which is interesting that I it is talk on a podcast all the time. But I still feel like words are very difficult for me, especially organizing them in my head. And I will say that from a um, chat GBT has taken all of the words that I've given it and the way that it organizes things 
is exactly how I imagine them being organized. And it has helped me immensely in that way mm -hmm. and has helped me create different creative pathways, I suppose. Mm -hmm. So playing devil's advocate here, I'm only assuming, and I hope that this is the case, that there is a certain subset of people who are very good with words and not so much visual literacy. Mm -hmm. And they're able to take these words and then turn it into something visual. Um, but again, is that, are, are, they a, are they a writer? Because that's what they are good at. Or is what they created something entirely different? Did they create that? And I go back to the, to the, to the painter versus uh, photographer argument of photography is just a mechanical process. There's no artistic vision inside. All you need is a technical understanding of how light works and your gold. And I wonder if that's happening here. Like if we're having a same moment in that aspect, not that, not that these are the same images or the same result, but I'm wondering if, if, if we're just having an issue in describing the tools <laughs> that we're using. Um, and I, that I, 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 hope I think your out. example is a, is a good example. I'm not, I'm not taking away that the AI can't do a miraculous things like can help people with learning disabilities. And I mean, I, I apologize I, if it came I, off that way. I didn't, I didn't intend. No, to. no, 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 no. I'm just saying that, that there's, there's examples of, uh, you know, where the, we should talk about this, that we're talking about all the bad things of this and that yeah. it has all the, it has the promise to cure cancer out there. You know what I mean? It right. has the promise yeah. to get humans off this earth. Right. I mean, the, these are these are huge things. I mean, it's already solved the protein folding problem that we thought we could never solve. Um, so it has wonderful things. But we, we, we have to think that, you know, if the if the downside outweighs the, the good, um, we have to ask ourselves, why? Why are we just jumping in? And, and, and maybe we just have to we just have to, like, um, enter this realm a little bit more safely or just with a little bit more caution. Um, but I think as long as you have people that are willing to just try to deceive people, you know, you're going to see it. Yeah. You're going to see it in the news, uh, their news realm. You're going to see it in the photojournalism stuff. People are going to make stuff that aren't, isn't true. Mm -hmm. And they're going to start a narrative behind it. Um, and, uh, <sighs> um, you know, and how, how about we, Come to a close on a high note here, okay? Because I know that this, uh, I'm sure that this feels to some people as as if this is just pure doomsday and, you know, talking before we hit record. I know that you don't feel that way. Um, I don't feel that way, even though there are concerns, you know, like you said, we have to step into it a little bit more. Um, but there are obviously exciting elements about AI. So um, let me ask you the question. If we come up with a new definition of any sort of image that is created by AI, a new definition, it has a name, something entirely different, and it's widely accepted. Are we done? I still think we have to address the the stealing of images from artists, previous images. Mm. So you have to understand Midjourney's using Leonardo, Da Vinci stuff. He's using William Morton's and stuff. It's mm -hmm. using Picasso. It's using... All these people, not just present day people, all the all the great masters, ChatGPT is using Shakespeare. Yeah. Um, these these things have all been fed into it, and I think um, that these AI companies, if they would have been, if they wouldn't have been such a rush to go to market, um, they could have done this properly. They could ask photographers, you know what I mean? If you have some photographs you don't really care about, can you give them to us? Um, we'll give you a nickel a piece or a penny a piece, or maybe it had to be free and, and people would have been more, you know, that people would have been more than happy. We're doing this new AI thing. Please give us your images. They would have gotten billions of images. They mm -hmm. wanted the shortcut. They just wanted to strip the internet and, and, and take and, um, and not, uh, not give the credit where the credit's due because without the input, you can't have the output. Sure. So this, this, this AI it's nothing mad. It's, it doesn't have that creative spark. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have without, if you take all the Im images away from it, mid journey can't do anything. So it needs those images mm -hmm. and, and the people that need to be acknowledged that um, provided those images, not just myself, Leonardo da Vinci needs to be acknowledged. Um, you know, Jackson Pollock, he's in there. I mean, there's everyone is in there. And um, I think it, it goes back to just honesty and, um, I don't have any problem with AI. I, I think there's going to be some big changes um, for photography. Just, just think about it. Here's just think about this. No more sets. Mm. 
No more props. No more lighting. No more camera. No more photographer. I don't and like that. It seems like we're cutting some things out, right? It's it's the, we're losing something. These are all the things that you no longer need. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're making imagery, which it's not a problem. Just tell me that what that's what it is. Just tell yeah. me that it's it, it was AI generated, and that I know the method. It's like taking a charcoal painting and saying it's a photograph, right? Right, right. Yeah. It's like taking a charcoal painting and saying, well, this is a photograph. Mm-hmm. And, and you look at it, you go like, that's not. But the problem we're going to have is that they're going to get so darn good yeah. at this that we're not going to be able to detect it. And okay. Then, so then f- final, final question here. Um, <laughs> um, uh, um, image theft aside, right? I, okay. I know that's a huge aside, <laughs> right? It, that, it is. The stealing of millions of images, but billions, putting the billions of images. Let, let's put that aside for just a moment. Okay. Um, many professionals are worried that AI is going to take their job. And in fact, I've mm-hmm. talked about this on the podcast. I think next year, the first product will probably come to market where a bride and a groom can just upload selfies that they took on their wedding day into some sort of um, AI type tool. And now they have world-class images of their wedding without a wedding photographer. I hate to tell this to you, Raymond, that's already been done. Okay. Uh, well, then there so we go. It's already been done. So you can upload a photograph of you and your bride uh-huh. and you can place you and your bride in any tuxedo, in uh-huh. any wedding dress, in any location yeah. in the world. So I can get, I can, t- I can now, I got married here in Bismarck, North Dakota, but mm-hmm. now I can get married in Bali. Right. Yes. And, and I didn't and, have to get on a plane. <laughs> and uh, what are those a, photographs going to mean to my children? What are those? What are the, What is that going to mean? You know, what's again, I, I keep coming back to this. What's the purpose? Yeah. Uh, what is the point? I get it. I get it. I just think that there's a lot of people who don't value photography or 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 I hate to say authentic or or true images. Uh because as we know that there's some ambiguity in that. Um, Let's go positive again. Let's just okay. say that this AI is going to drive the importance of what we, you and I do. It's going to reality based, authentic photography. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. That at some point that is it's this, this new shiny object is just going to be tossed aside for what it is. Yeah. And people are going to want to come back. I let's just say, I, I think that's a positive. I think that that's, that's so we can draw that line that people are going to have more appreciation for what I do here in my studio, getting that moon and, and getting the prop and getting the lighting. And, you know, it, it took me it took, took us three months. Yeah, it took us three months to get that shot. And guess how many exposures I made? I spent three months on the prop and getting everything ready, the model and everything together. Two exposures. Two exposures. Yeah. That's what it took. I took that's... two exposures. Uh, so do you think that you only took two exposures because you knew in your head exactly what that image wanted? When to? I got it, mm-hmm. I got it. You got it. Yeah. I don't, I don't need the glut. Mm-hmm. I don't <laughs> need to take, I don't need, I don't need more. More is yeah. not better. And if we, you know, this is a beginning, a beginning photographer's podcast, right? If I can just a little bit of, I, I don't, I'm not the, I'm not the greatest uh, expert in this field. Right. But if I can give a little bit to to the listeners today, less is more. You don't have to take 4,000 photographs at a wedding, okay? Mm-hmm. When I went and took the, the photograph of Greta Thunberg down at Standing Rock, I only had six clean glass plates in my box. That means I, you know, I'm telling you, Raymond, you get to go take Evander Holyfield's photograph like I took. Yeah. Okay, bring your camera. Mm-hmm. He's coming in at two o'clock. Guess mm-hmm. what? Your camera's full and you only have room for six exposures. Yeah. And you have them for one hour. It sounds insanity. But when you work under those constraints and you think about less is more, someone argued today that just take you could just take as many. I, it was even on your own. I think you posted it a, a week or so ago. You said sometimes take more photographs so you never know what's you know you may you never know what you, the the gem that you may find or you may sure. find. Yeah. Do you remember doing that? There was something like if you take more, I would like to argue let's take less mm-hmm. 
And um, I think if you take less, you're going to spend more time on them. If you spend more time on them, you're going to get more of what you were looking for instead of just um, just filling the camera up and 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 sifting through um, all these photographs to find that little gem. Because if you if you if you just you know turn that shutter open, it just captures a hundred photographs. You're you're back to this. Was it your hand stroke? Was it your brush stroke that got that one photograph? Was or was it just chance? It shouldn't be chance. It happens every once in a while. We talked about it. There's happy accidents in my studio all the time. But you know, if if there's the intent, if you go back to the intent, I think we'll all do better in in photography. Uh, Follow up question: Devil's advocate here. Your and I'm going to make this real quick. Your latest photo that you took. Is it better than your first wet play photo that you took? Absolutely. And the difference is? The difference is, is that I think the more photographs I take, the less I like my work. Okay. (laughs) The more photographs I, no, that's true. This is, this is, this is a realization that I've come up to. So I've made 4,714 plates mm-hmm. in the, in 11 years that's how many explore you would do that in a wedding you could do that in a wedding in a day, yeah 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 okay taking me 11 years to make <laughs> that many plates i've realized that um my standards have changed and that i do that that moment where like this is oh this is this is exact this is what i wanted this is this is the magic right mm-hmm. it's almost like the, the golfer hitting that hole in one right it's like or that perfect swing you you hit it every once in a while and you only have to hit it every once in a while the more I take photographs, the less I like my work. And I think that that's a positive thing because it means my standards have changed. Right. And that yeah. um, I, it, when I first was starting, if I got my, that photo, my first photograph, you just mentioned it, right. It's right there of my brother. It's, it's four feet from me. I'm hanging on the wall here. My first wet plate. Um, I look at it, but I look at it with, um, you know, I look back at fondly, but um, it was big leaps. But now it's these little baby steps that I, I got to I'm fighting and kicking and scratching mm-hmm. just to make that next improvement. And I think that's what it's all about in the end. So and I don't think this is a process. And I, I don't think even your, you know, digital photography, it's a process that you should ever feel comfortable that you mastered. You know what I mean? I've, I've heard there was a there's some trombone player that was 98 years old and he had the world's best trombone player. I don't remember his name. I think it was a trombone. It was of some brass instrument. Mm-hmm. And they asked him, why do you still practice? You know, you're 98 years old. You know, why are you still you were a master? Why are you still practicing? And he says, because I, I still think I can get better. Wow. So I, I, that's what we should try to do. And I still think that I can get better. I never want to make my masterpiece. I want to continue to search for my masterpiece and it's taking yeah. little baby steps from here on out. But um, I think that's a, that's a good rule. And um, I, I, and I like my work less, the more I make of it. And for me, that's reassuring. And anytime I've told that, I tell that to students every once in a while and they just, their jaws drop and they're like, what in the hell is this guy talking about? But um, <laughs> I get the I, sentiment I, and, and I, I appreciate it so much, you know, cause it, it tells me that you're taking your uh, craft extremely seriously and um, uh, that it means a lot to you. And I don't want to get to the pinnacle. Hope. We don't want to get right. to the pinnacle. Why do I we want to get to the pinnacle? That one day I reach that same spot of, of, mm. of not loving the images that come out of my camera and hoping that each one just gets better and better. Um, but Shane, I don't know how to end it any better than that. Honestly, oh, I know that thanks, uh, we are we are coming to the end of our time here, so I got to let you go. But before I do, why don't you let listeners know where we can learn a little bit more about you and uh, and your work as well, because it is truly um, awe inspiring work. Yeah, well, thanks. So if you go, just go to Google and type in Balkowitch, B A L K O W I T S C H wet plate. You're going to get a myriad of articles and stuff about my work. You can go to Amazon. Um, there's a, a documentary, a one hour documentary about um, the work that I do. A Northern Plains Native Americans, a modern wet plate perspective. It's a book series. I'm on a 20 year journey to capture a thousand Native Americans. I've published two books so far. Book three, I'm 41 images away. I'm wow. going to be at 750 images after 10 years. I'm 41 images away from starting on volume three, and then I'll do volume four eventually. Um, and, uh, you know, there, you go on to, if you go on to Facebook, you can find Balkowicz, same spelling. You can find me on Instagram under Balkowicz and, and just follow my work. If, if someone's interested in wet plate photography, I founded a group of friends of Frederick Scott Archer on Facebook. You can join us there and, and, and learn a little bit more about this archaic photographic process that humanity abandoned 170 years ago. And, uh, you know, there's still some of us 
course, the, the, these old holdouts that are still trying to uh, prove that this is still legitimate with all this technology, right? With all this technology, prove that this is still a legitimate art form. And that's what I try to do every single Friday that I'm in here. I think anybody who challenges that to say that it's not a legitimate art form uh, has probably just never done it. And mm. they are the Luddites. So yeah. <laughs> uh, again, Shane, thank you so much for coming on. I really do appreciate this talk and I look forward to chatting with you again soon. It's been an honor, Raymond. Thank you so much. Shane is a really interesting guy. I really feel like he takes the time to think about what potential problems are. Um, but also... I applaud his ability to take a stance on something, a hard stance on something, um, and fight for it. This was not a, a doomsday podcast about AI. Personally, I'm excited for the future possibilities and have honestly used AI quite a bit, you know, and like I said, in the way that I organize my thoughts. And while there is no stopping the AI train, there are a lot of conversations to be had about, again, what it is, what it is not, and how to use it most effectively. You know, I'm optimistic that we're going to figure it out and create an amazing world that, like Shane said, can solve things like cancer and other huge problems that we face. But my hope is that we have a clear differentiator between what is real and what is generated by AI, even though they can look indistinguishable. What do you think? I would love to hear your thoughts and your feedback on this idea, this topic, this episode. You can... Reach out to me directly via the contact form at beginnerphotographypodcast at gmail.com, where there you can, you know, shoot me an email or better yet, send me a virtual voicemail to let me know your thoughts. I would love to hear them. And while you're there, be sure to download my free picture perfect camera settings cheat sheet with camera settings for more than 10 popular types of photography. And it's filled with my personal and professional images uh, and the real life camera settings that I use to capture those images so that you know just where to get started. So again, beginnerphotographypodcast.com, click the contact tab at the top of the page. That is it for this week. Thank you again so much for tuning into this episode of the Beginner Photography Podcast. And thank you to the sponsor of the podcast, CloudSpot. Truly is the easiest way to deliver and sell your photos online. Trust me, I use them. You can learn more about CloudSpot by heading over to deliverphotos.com. And remember, the more that you shoot today, the better of a photographer you will be tomorrow. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to the Beginner Photography Podcast. If you enjoy the show, consider leaving a review in iTunes. Keep shooting, and we'll see you next week.